Hi everyone, this is Future Ambi. We had some issues with Crystal's audio recording in this episode, so I replaced some parts with my Skype recording. If you notice some parts of the episode are lower quality, that's why. Hope you still enjoy the episode! Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to recover after eating Thanksgiving dinner. We hope you saved a little room because this week's theme is food. We'll be discussing games we've played recently like Locomotive Works, Concordia, and Cacao. We'll talk about some foods that are great to serve during a board game get-together. We're naming a few of the food-related games that we enjoy. And finally, we're looking at the etymology of the word resource. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. I've played Locomotive Works recently, which is a 2002 game published by Winsome Games, and then later it was published by Queen Games. And it is literally an engine-building game. You are building these train factories that build engines for you to sell. So it's an economic game, and there are dice in the game that represent the demand. So a certain number of dice are rolled for each type of factory, and that determines how many trains can be sold of that type. And then the factories have different levels. So you start out with the lowest level of factory, and then as those factories get bought, newer factories are available, and these newer factories are more expensive, and they make better trains so you can get more money from them. But when the newer factories are bought, they take demand away from the old factories. So you want to always make sure that you can afford the new factories. Because you get so much money with the new factories and you keep buying new factories, sometimes the old trains get useless really fast. And this concept happens a lot in other train games like 18xx games, and it's called a train rush. So Locomotive Works has a really big train rush. And I really enjoyed it because besides being about building engines, which I don't really care about the theme that much, but it's actually an engine building game mechanically, There's a lot of ramp up. You get more and more money and you're investing your money into these factories to get more money. And I really like that because I like getting a lot of money. And (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't? (laughs) But that can also be a negative because if you miss out on buying a new factory, then you just have these old factories and you can't get new money. And then you just are in like a spiral of death. So, (laughs) not a spiral of debt, a spiral of death. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But another interesting thing in the game is the player order. So, the player order is determined by how much money you have at the end of the round. So, the lowest money goes first. And it's really advantageous to go first in this game. So, it kind of balances out. You don't want to hoard your money, but you want to time it so that when the game's almost about to end, then you get a lot of money in that round. And that's Locomotive Works, a really fun train game. Uh, I got a chance to play Concordia for, this will be the second time. It was released uh, 2013, and it's Rio Grande and two to five players, though I want to say in the two times I've played it, it's way better with four than five. Five just made it take a little longer than I liked. Concordia is a trading and economics game where you're spreading through the provinces along the Mediterranean Sea. The goal at the end of the game is to have the most points, because who doesn't like points? Each player starts with a hand of cards, and uh, each card type provides a different way to gain victory points at the end of the game. 
Through the game, you'll play these cards to add colonists, trade goods, purchase goods, buy more cards, and several other things. I'm pretty sure there are about six or seven card types that provide victory points for various reasons. Um, one reason is you'll get one victory point for each type of good you're able to produce. And you can produce up to five goods total in the game. So if you have six of these cards that say you get one victory point for each good that you're able to produce. So if you have six of these cards and you're producing four goods, then you're going to get 24 victory points. So that's kind of cool. Another way to obtain victory points is based off the number of colonists you place on the board. And like I said, there are several, I think there's six or seven, yeah, card types that give you victory points for these reasons, whatever. Uh, I, like I said, I've only played this twice, so I'm no no expert in this game. But in the two times I've played, I found that focusing on three or four of the card types allows you to get like a larger amount of victory points on those versus trying to spread through the whole six or seven of them. Because when you're spreading out so thin like that, you're not able to find a focus area. So you're getting, you know, 10 victory points here, 12 victory points here. And it just doesn't quite have the same bang or oomph that you would get by focusing on a smaller number of cards. But on the flip of that, you don't want to focus on only like two because then you're going to end up with a whopping 40 victory points at the end of the game when everybody else is in the 90s. (laughs) Anyway, so that's Concordia. I really like it um, and I want to buy it. It's interesting, Cassidy, like the past few episodes, all the games that you've been playing that you've been discussing are ones that I've had like <laughs> strong feelings about. <laughs> like you, you talked about Takedo, which I love, and you talked about Karuba, which I really like. Kingdom this Builder. Game, Kingdom Builder, absolutely. This one <laughs> is on the other end of the spectrum for me. Oh yeah, because it's all Euro and no theme. <laughs> it is. And, but I think, so this is, if you, if somebody like put a metaphorical gun to my head and said, name a board game that you hate, this would be the one that comes to mind. But I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to admit though, that that opinion is, is definitely shaded and it's not necessarily accurate because I've only played the game once and it was not taught well to Mm. us. Like, the cards were not explained very clearly and particularly how important purchasing cards early was to the game. So mm-hmm. the guy who taught it to us was buying cards and or uh, acquiring them. It's been a while now. I don't remember exactly how all that works, but like, like I did horribly and I don't mind losing a game. That's fine. But like, I literally felt like I didn't know what I was doing and it was frustrating. So yeah, I did not like it. I do want to try it again at some point, even though I don't, it's not, I mean, you guys know, that's not my type of game, but I don't want to hate it. So, (laughs) you know, I had a similar experience the first time I played too. I think it it was explained well, but I was drinking. And so (laughs) things just did not like come across well, like they just got mixed up and you know, the brain with the yeah, things. And <laughs> it's not a super complex game, but it also is one of those games that before you know what stuff is coming, like especially in regard to the cards, I think it's kind of hard to play optimally or even close to optimally on your first playthrough. So mm-hmm. I 
I keep telling my friend Greg listens to our podcast and he's in my game group and he makes fun of me because he's like, oh, do you want to play Concordia? And at some <laughs> point, Greg, yes, I do want to try Concordia again, but I don't know when exactly. I'll have to be feeling frisky. I think. Con. <laughs> I very much enjoy Concordia. It is very much uh, in my wheelhouse for games even though everything that I've talked about recently would say otherwise. <laughs> I recently got to play Cacao for the first time. Cacao was released in 2015 from Z-Man Games and is for two to four players. Cacao is a tile laying game where players each have tiles in their own color that they place onto the play area adjacent to other tiles to gain cacao, so chocolate, sell it for gold, to, and to collect water and to get workers next to the temples that are on the board, which will help them gain points at the end of the game. Uh, players always have three tiles in their hand to choose from, and as player tiles are added to the board, then the pile of generic tiles uh, keeps getting added to the board as well. So player tiles are never next to other player tiles. It's always a checkerboard of the stuff with things on it, like resources and temples and the player tiles. So there's no, like direct conflict i mean it's a tile laying game it's really simple it's probably i would describe it as a slight step above carcassonne in difficulty like the base game of carcassonne and i had heard good things about this game for a long time but for whatever reason i had just never been interested or i'd never really gravitated toward it and i'm really glad that i gave it a shot because it's a lot of fun for being a simple game but I do have to blame the TV show Portlandia. <laughs> I feel like that they might have inadvertently made me kind of like not play this game because the word cacao it plays an important role in a sketch in episode two of their very first season. If you are not a watcher of the TV show Portlandia, I'm not going to describe said sketch because it is, while the TV show is definitely not R-rated, it's not that bad. The, the reference, the, the subject matter in this episode is a little bit more adult in theme. But if you happen to be an adult who likes sketch comedy, I highly recommend that you look up episode two, season one of Portlandia, and the word cacao will never mean the same thing ever again, because <laughs> it's just funny. So if you're looking for a light tile laying game, it's quick to play, easy to teach, lots of fun. Uh, cacao is, I give it two thumbs up. Definitely. I actually, I don't, I haven't added it to my collection, but I might. I think that would be a really good one for my more casual gaming friends. I think that they would enjoy it quite a bit. Cacao is really awesome. I actually really love tile playing games. I put this spreadsheet together to like try to narrow down what games on my in my collection overlap and which ones I can get rid of because my collection is just ridiculous right now. And I was like, I have like 19 tile laying games. Why do I have 19 tile laying games? I don't know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I think tile laying games are cool because it's easy to play. Like, even if it's not optimal, like you can tell literally a four-year-old, here are some tiles, put a tile <laughs> next to other tiles. Like that mechanic is so easy for anyone to grasp, but you can employ a lot of interesting strategy in tile placement. So I feel like that's why some of those games are so easy to gravitate toward. Yeah, I can see that. 
During our last episode, we did not have an accessory segment, but this week, since it is Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. By the way, (laughs) it's literally Thanksgiving today. So I hope everyone has completely interrupted their family gathering to download and listen to this podcast. Uh, No, I don't hope that. I hope that... If No matter when you're listening to this, I hope that you had a really happy Thanksgiving and you ate lots of turkey and stuffing and gravy and cranberry sauce and all the usual stuff and that you've enjoyed yourself spending time with family or friends or whoever. But let's say you eat the turkey and then you get hungry again and you happen to have a board game night and you need some snacks. You need some snacks that are board game friendly. Let's maybe throw a couple suggestions out there so that way you're not wondering what to grab when you're at the grocery store. Gummy worms. Yeah, definitely when it comes to candy, non-chocolate related things. Because chocolate can get messy. Yeah. So yeah, gummy worms are a good one. I think a lot of people would definitely say if you're going to go the chip route that you want to stay away from the Cheetos, even (laughs) though they're delicious. (laughs) Because Cheeto fingers are a real thing. But maybe pretzels would be a better option. Or if your friends are very tidy, Doritos can be passable, but only barely. (laughs) Just get some cheese dip for those pretzels and you'll be fine. Ooh, that's a good one. And crackers and cheese, I've found, has actually been very successful at board game nights as well. Because it's a little more filling, but it's also not that messy. And you can get a whole bunch of different kinds of cheese and any excuse to buy cheese is good yes cheese is awesome i'll just have a plate of cheese please (laughs) (laughs) that's actually what i do (laughs) other things that work are carrots and celery like the vegetable and dip and then maybe it's like apple slices or fruit slices i think apple is the most clean fruit like you don't want like an orange or something because that's very messy oh yeah that's grapes true. Like, could maybe work. Oh, grapes yeah. are grapes. okay. S- strawberries aren't horrible unless you're eating a lot of them because then I think the that red color can kind of come off on your hands a little bit to some degree. But if you're just, you know, popping them in your mouth, that's not so bad. Ooh, and you know what's really good? Those peanut butter pretzel things. They're like peanut butter filled pretzel. Oh, oh, but- no, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're like little pretzel pockets with peanut butter inside, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we eat those so much. <laughs> and this yeah, is, we love those. Yeah, this is when Crystal says, oh no, I have a nut allergy, so I've never oh. had such a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Everybody, literally, when I tell them I'm allergic to peanut butter, like almost everyone is like, oh, dear God, how do you live without peanut butter? <laughs> and I'm like, well, fun fact, I've been allergic to it my whole life. So even the smell of it, kind of makes me sick because my body it's that whole psychosomatic thing where like my body knows that I'm allergic to it so even the smell of it like kind of grosses me out so I guess I just don't know what I'm missing I I hear peanut butter is awesome I'll never know so so yeah if you're having a game (laughs) night with people with peanut allergies maybe don't have peanut butter around (laughs) well I mean admittedly like the smell of it doesn't technically like it doesn't actually make me sick it just kind of grosses me out if that makes sense and although there are some people with peanut allergies who like they can't be around it at all because it's that severe mine isn't that severe luckily but 
I think that's actually in, an interesting point. When you're going to be providing snacks for a game night for a diverse group of people, I think it's important, especially nowadays, to make sure that no one has any food-related restrictions. Like if someone has celiac disease or if someone is vegetarian, it's um, it's nice. I think most people that fall into those categories are kind of used to not having all the options available to them or they'll bring mm-hmm. their own snacks. But it's also nice if you can provide snacks that will accommodate everybody, that that's a nice thing to do. So if you're having a game night, you know, just throw a message out there. Hey, does anyone have any dietary restrictions that we could help accommodate? So that way, you know, you don't get a table full of vegetarians and you put out a big thing of, you know, meat. Sausage. Like, <laughs> yeah, like a, a salami platter. <laughs> yeah, I, I always try to do that when I'm hosting game night. For this week's thematic game segment, we're going to talk about games related to food. Because it's Thanksgiving, so food everything. Mm. Ambie, what's a game that you like that's food related? So I've only played this once, but Food Chain Magnet is a heavy economic game where you're building up a chain of fast food restaurants. And it has this huge tech tree and it's kind of complicated. I think I've only played the simple version of the game. But you're basically building these fast food restaurants and you can make burgers and drinks and lemonade and pizza, I think. And you Wait, is lemonade not a drink? <laughs> <laughs> it is a subset of drink. Special category. <laughs> but yeah, so you make these things and then you deliver them out to the different houses that want your fast food. Makes me want to eat fast food. <laughs> kind of related, but less renowned i would say is the card game ninja burger which came out in 2003 it's a steve jackson games title it's a card game where you're literally ninjas that work for a fast food restaurant that have to deliver burgers (laughs) and it is not the best game but it is one of again one of the first Uh, modern board games or card games that I ever learned so it was fun when I was new to the hobby I have not played it in nine years so I am not certain how well it would hold up today but I'd be willing to give it a shot again because it's uh, thematically it's hilarious if nothing else no right burgers Mm. Uh, one of my favorite games related to food is wasabi uh, while you're playing wasabi, you're building sushi rolls. And I cannot play this game without having to immediately go out afterwards and purchase said sushi rolls. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's I, it's such a fun little game. And to coincide with wasabi, there is another sushi-related game in Sushi Go, which is... One of my favorite little um, filler drafting sort of games. I love Sushi Go. No, I want sushi. Have you <laughs> had a too- chance to play the newer version, the Sushi no, Go Party? No, I haven't had a chance to play Party yet. I haven't either, and I'm actually really interested to try it out. I've heard it's like different enough that it's worth having both in a collection, but that just seems a little redundant to me. I imagine, yeah, I've heard good things about Party, but I imagine, assuming that it is as good as people have said, I imagine Party would mostly replace the original. 
in our last episode, we talked about games from our childhood. And there was a game that my sister and I played a whole lot when we were little that was related to food. This is one that most people probably haven't heard of. <laughs> and probably for good reason. <laughs> but you guys will be, I don't know, not proud to know, but you'll, you'll be something to know that I was a big fan of the Rin and Stimpy log cereal game <laughs> when I was a kid. It was literally, so the, the game box was shaped like a giant cereal box and it opened at the top and during the course of the game you were reaching into the cereal box to pull out pieces and you were trying to complete comic strips that were dep depicted images from different episodes of Rin and Stimpy and then there was another comic strip <laughs> that was I don't remember exactly what it's called I think it was the history eraser button and if in players drawing stuff out of the box, if the history eraser button strip got completed before any player's comic strip, then the game ended immediately and never took place because history was erased. <laughs> so it was ridiculous. And I think you actually had to like, when you drew pieces from your own comic strip, you had to say a line from that episode of Ren and Stimpy. So you had to have a lot of knowledge about Ren and Stimpy, which admittedly my sister and I did because the original Nicktoons on Nickelodeon were our jam for sure. But uh, so that's technically food related and it's amusing and I don't own it anymore, nor would I probably want to play it. But there you go. That's the Ren and Stimpy log cereal game. <laughs> <laughs> okay so if you want to hear about a game that you might want to play it's <laughs> yes please save us now there's a game called a la carte which is a dexterity oh, that's such game a good one. in a la carte you have these stovetops and these pans and you're trying to cook different recipes and you have these little salt shaker things which are jars of with little beads in them or something and you need to pour them out and you have to like shake it once and you need the exact number of things that the recipe specifies and if you mess up like you mess up the recipe yeah like you're i think for people who haven't played this game like when ambi says that you have these little pots and these little burners like these are not cards or boards with pictures on them <laughs> they're actually these little 3D components like a burner with a dial on it yeah. and these little pans and it is the most adorable game mm -hmm. ever yeah it's really cute and pretty fun too it is fun because yeah if you get too much salt in your recipe it's ruined or if you turn up the temperature too high on your thing then then it's burned so yeah, and you have to flip omelets as well <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I can't do that in real life I'm not going to be able to do it on a board game yeah, when we were, we were playing, we were just practicing <laughs> flipping the pancake on that thing. <laughs> no, that's a really good one. And that one, I think, is still uh, pretty widely available. So good. that's a nice way to wrap up the food segment is with something that people will actually want to play. Not, not <laughs> Rin and Stimpy, yes to a la carte. For today's board game etymology, since we're talking about food, and food is often used as a resource in games, we're going to look at the origins of the word resource. 
We're going to get into a little French and Latin here, so I'm just going to apologize in advance for any horrible pronunciations that I happen to butcher. I will explain those as I get to them as always, but I apologize. I'm not great with the French and the Latin. The modern version of the word resource dates back to either the late 16th or early 17th century and meant a country's wealth. It comes from the French word ressource, which was the feminine past participle of the old French word resordre. Oh gosh. R-E-S-O-U-R-D-R-E. I'm just not even going to try it again. And that meant rise again or recover. That word finds its roots in the Latin word resurge. That's probably really wrong too. Let's just spell that one as well. R-E-S-U-R-G-E-R-E which means to rise again. Another familiar word that finds its roots in that same word in Latin is uh, the modern English resurgent. And that one obviously sounds a lot more similar. Uh, I was going to pronounce it that French or the Latin word resurgere, but that doesn't sound right. That sounds like a horrible, horrible pronunciation of it. So those are the origins of the word resource. And that's it for this week's episode of Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Have suggestions for the show? Shoot us an email at BoardGameBlitz at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope everyone has a wonderful holiday filled with food, friends, and blitz. Bye, everyone. Bye. We'll talk about some foods that are great to serve during a board game get-together, and we're going to look at the... Uh, I didn't actually say we were going to talk about games that are related to food. That's not in there. (laughs) So I'm going to... It was going so well. I love cacao. (laughs) Sorry, there's a sneeze stuck in my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Shook it out. We're good. (laughs) I was like, oh, dear God, what do I do? (laughs) You're (laughs) fat. Cassidy, I'm sorry. I know. You're like, oh, (laughs) I didn't know what to do. Cacao was released. I can't. So, to all of our listeners out there, in case Ambie decides to include this in the final cut, uh, we are recording this episode at night, which is not something we typically do, because we're on different time zones. We often pick a time in the morning or early afternoon to record our episodes, and right now, it's... uh, it's 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 night and we're all a little bit loopy <laughs> it's and night. it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to brain good at this moment so it's past my bedtime <laughs> yeah dude you're it's so late for you right now i everybody should I like give that we say so late and it's 10:30 on a friday night we're like oh god it's the latest <laughs> thing ever <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>